0: Global fine arts sales, ladies and gentlemen, are reaching an epic number right now. We're looking at 10 plus billion dollars a year in sales globally, and it doesn't seem like this trend's going to slow down anytime soon. Welcome again to a special edition of Buy, Hold, Sell. I have the global fine arts market insights right now, and I'm bringing back my expert, the expert among experts, Amanda Robin Wood. Amanda was on the show last week talking all about the arts market and how it's growing just for herself and also for her peers, but I wanted to bring her back to really get into the numbers. Welcome back to the show, Amanda. Hi,
1: Todd. Thanks for having me back.
0: Absolutely. Well, I got to say you were on the show last week. We really were drilling down on the global fine arts market really talked about some of these numbers, but we just touched on them just a little bit. And based off of the the response from listeners on this podcast, everyone was saying, look, this is a market that has yet to really reach its full potential. I got to tell you, Amanda, I'm looking at some of these numbers right now. And this is from a a source called artprice.com. They're telling us that global, global fine arts market auction proceeds were over $15 billion last year. When I look at some of these numbers and just you and I, from what we were talking about, based on your own art, I mean, are you seeing these numbers or is this what you're seeing as far as this type of growth, not just for you personally, but also maybe from your peers and your uh, other associates that you're dealing with?
1: Absolutely. In fact, I've just raised my prices again recently. And that's usually when an artist raises their prices is to kind of slow down the demand a little bit so you can keep some inventory. But things have been selling very
0: quickly very quickly. So that's interesting. So you so increasing the the price, you had so much demand from from all kinds of uh, investors and those that are passionate. And it's great about being an artist like yourself, you're passionate about this, but you're also seeing the business value of it. And I think when you can mix those two, that's where you're really, uh, that's the real combination, I think that probably all artists are trying to achieve at least the ones that are entrepreneurial like yourself. But I see some of these numbers right now. I mean, what, what fascinates me is that I am not a, an aficionado when it comes to this like yourself, but I, it, just, it looks like that these numbers are just continuing to increase just tenfold. I mean, that it looks like New York is the number one market in the world right now for art sales, but it doesn't mean that Americans are the only ones buying this art. It's also an international phenomenon. What about for you? Are you seeing a lot of uh, international clients coming your way or is it just just locally down in the Texas region? I mean, maybe you can explain that a little bit for the listeners.
1: I've sold pieces in California, Louisiana, and more so in the Texas area. It may be partly because of my Talking to people and networking with people, that's where a lot of it kind of comes from. But, you know, I know that New York is number one in that they've also got this massive explosion in galleries that just opened up. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, it's almost on every street corner, there's a gallery popping up from what I hear. Um, I've heard that I think England is number two only because they've got some Brexit things hanging over that are making things a little more difficult to sell and tax issues popping up. But it's number two right now.
0: Okay, so and on the on the studio side. So because you mentioned in last week's show about contemporary art being the type of art that is in favor right now. But in these studios and I've been to I've been to a studio here and there maybe for a wine tasting not really paying attention too much to what's really happening there um, really you know just there socially but it seems to me that I go into one of these studios and there's there's a variety of different pieces that are there you have your paintings you have your sculpture is that what's typical now it, it's almost like a full market across the board. Trying to be a, uh, a complete where you're bringing in a number of artists, but maybe they're covering different areas because the studio is just trying to get as much bang for the buck, I guess, out of their, all of their artists?
1: Well, it is nice to have variety. Um, and you never know what somebody's looking for. Sometimes you need someone that there. Sometimes you got someone that wants a little sculpture or a large sculpture. You don't know if they're putting it inside or outside. And at my gallery that I, I show in Davis Gallery in Austin, I'll go in once in a while and ask them, okay, what's hot? What's selling? You know, not because I want to want to catered or anything. I, I still do my own thing. But it's still smart to know what the market's doing. And they all tell me that anything big, anything really big, large anything that will fill up a big wall and something that's showy and impressive, that's what it's selling. But they do try to have a nice variety of small things, big things, sculpture, painting, because they like to, they love the art too and they want to celebrate all of it. But uh, I do see some artists that sculpt and paint. Um, so when you mention in their studios, versus galleries I just kind of wanted to check on that but definitely inside people's own studios you'll find some paintings and sculptures and and drawings They, they kind of do it all lately I've just been a lot more focused on on the sculpture and Try not to be, <laughs> try not to be too much of a jack of all trades. You
0: know? Right, sort of right.
1: Just a lot more focused on my sculpture. I have painted, but
0: do that more for myself as sort of a side hobby. My my business is more the sculpture. Okay, I understand, and and I think that shows you where um, my misunderstanding and my um, amateurism here. I was actually thinking studio and gallery, making them synonymous. And I, I, I clearly, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to this. That's, okay. That's why I'm bringing you on the on the show. It's all but art. It's okay. It it's, is. All art. it's all art. That's right. I love that. That's. I love that line right there. Okay. So what about the, the ones who own the galleries though? I assume that they must be artists as well. And the reason why I asked this is because I sent you an article yesterday where I saw some people that were actually leaving Sotheby's and they're starting their own investment advisory firm but it's specific to art right now. But are the are the gallery owners, are they artists themselves? Not so much. Some of them are. Most of them are just business people and
1: art fans that were really smart and kind of knew how to get a business started and positioned. And uh, they like giving a platform to other people, some. Some were artists and are, but when you're running something like a gallery, there really isn't going to be a lot of time to make your own work. So it's hanging a show, promoting it, hosting the show, and then taking it down and switching it out, finding new artists. That's all a lot of work. It's a lot of work for them. So they, they wouldn't have time to maintain their own art career on top of that.
0: I'm sure of that. And then they probably also did come up with the value of the art that they're selling. Uh, how when a, Does a gallery owner, I assume they need to, it's just like any other distributor, they're buying the art from you. Is that true? Oh, they don't. Okay. So it's, so they're simply, they're sharing, I guess, in the, in the price on, tag, I guess.
1: It's on a consignment basis, sort of. So as, as far as setting the price, it's the artist that sets the price. Um, and then the gallery will take anywhere between 30, 40, 50% of the sale. I've heard of some others taking more, but I try to stick with people that are taking 40 to 50% of the sale. Sometimes with sculpture, they will take a little bit less, especially if you're working with something like bronze, because there's a lot more to the cost of making the piece. So the artist needs a little bit more to cover the cost of the piece. But whether I sell to a customer on my own or to a customer that the gallery has brought in, I sell that same price to either or because you don't want to short the market. (laughs) You don't want to undercut the sales at the gallery because that's not fair to them. So I keep my prices the same. It's the same reason I don't run sales or discounts because I've got people that have invested in me and it's important to me to protect their investment and make sure that the value of my work (laughs) is always going up. Like I, I tell people that when they ask me, Oh, would you give me a little discount on this? I Don't get very many of those, but every once in a while, when people ask me that, I say, No, my prices never go down, they only go up. <laughs> That's right that, out of a commitment to the people who've already collected from me. I want to make sure that their value is always going up in the work that they bought.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. So, here's a silly question though I mean, when it comes to this stuff, like with the art and also with the um, with any other collectible, I would say, say you're in. in collecting baseball cards or whatever. Um, Who determines the value then? I mean, is it just arbitrary? It's whatever the, the individual is willing to buy or spend?
1: It kind of is, but really, I mean, I just gauge, like when people are first starting out, they'll look at artists that are doing similar things and try to match those prices when they're first starting out. But a lot of the time, it kind of depends on what the demand is for your work. Recently, my work was selling a lot and I had to slow it down because I've got some art shows coming up and I need the inventory for the art shows, you know, so I had to slow it down a little bit and and raise the prices by changing the demand a little bit, slowing down the demand a little bit.
0: Okay. No, I get that. And you are right though. I, I do understand and can respect what you're doing as far as looking at the price tag, because then you're looking at all of your past buyers, and then also thinking that they're looking for that ROI, that return on that investment as well. Uh, I'll share this last story for you on this break, but we before we go to break, when I I'm not a, an aficionado, like I said, on on uh, in the art world. However, I did end up purchasing a print from an artist. Her name's Liz Lind out of Annapolis, Maryland, and she had this great piece, and it was all these little paper cutouts. It was very, it was almost like three. to mentioned was about, um, it was, I don't know, a painting or or some type of piece uh, showing Spa Creek in Annapolis, Maryland, which is really the creek that separates uh, and feeds into the Chesapeake Bay, which is adjacent to the Naval Academy. Anyhow, long story short, I ended up getting this piece from her. And when I went to other galleries and they were selling reprints, they actually had reprints of that actual piece. And I saw the value of those being sold, and I was instantly thinking, "Wow, there must be some value of the item that I purchased, and I only purchased it because I thought it looked great on you know on a, top of a mantel and a fireplace, so it looked fantastic, but there you can actually see that, and I can see there's so many others that are out there looking at that increased value right now, and i 'm sure Liz when she sells her other items uh, she is also taking that into consideration, which I think is extremely. Uh, smart on your part and any other artist who's thinking that way. So, so that's great news. So, listen, let's leave it right there because coming up after the break, I really want to get your thoughts on what you see as far as you talked about contemporary art before being the growth, but is this something now that the economy is heading into a potential recession that you really think that we might see a slowdown in the art market? But we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit right after the break. So, please stay with me.
1: Buy, hold, sell. Brought to you by CrossCheck Management.
0: The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, Subscribe now to The Jim Stroud Podcast. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager, branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian opera singer Naomi Knight through a roller coaster journey of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis, from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss, is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the Consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads. Welcome back, everyone, to Buy, Hold, Sell, special report on the global fine arts market. If you think this is a, a, the same episode as last week, it's not. It's actually a part two, and I brought in the expert, Amanda Robin Wood, to join us with this. She, uh, she not only knows the entire arts market, but she's an artist herself. And Amanda, you and I have talked about a little bit with, obviously, the selling part of it, the, how the, the uh, global fine arts market or arts market is really exploding right now. As far as sales revenue, I mean, you look at the big three auction houses right now, Christie's, Sotheby's, and Phillips, and they're selling, it looks like, close to $30 billion worth of art and collectibles. These are the, just the raw numbers coming in for last year. Surely remarkable numbers that we continue to see, and, and it doesn't look like it is slowing down anytime soon. But you yourself, you have a showing that's scheduled in March. You're reaching out to your clientele. You're extremely active, not just with your website, but on the social media side. And for those listeners and viewers, uh, please go to AmandaRobinwood.com for information on Amanda and her pieces. But I have to ask you, so now that we're in this 21st century world, are you seeing a lot of activity on the social media side? Do you see maybe um, potential clients, maybe those interested in your work? Are they going as far as not just asking questions, but are they actually making the purchase? through those social media channels?
1: Absolutely. Um, there are a lot of people that like to watch the process And so that kind of attracts people when they get to see how these pieces are made. So sometimes I'll show a picture of an early stage of a piece and then take them through all the different stages that I take the piece through down to the end. And sometimes I have even sold a piece before it's even finished. I'll have someone message me and say, hey, what's that? What are you doing with it? How's it going to end up? And and what's the price going to be, do you think? And so then at that point, then they get to get a custom color on it or (laughs) whatever. But it is surprising to me when, when somebody either buys a piece unseen in person or before it's even finished. I I did not expect that to happen to me, but it is. The trends that I'm seeing with it, social media is frustrating because they keep changing their algorithms, Um, especially Instagram lately. Uh, I used to get a lot more traction on Instagram, but they're changing their, their, their Instagram algorithms so quickly and so often that it's just not predictable anymore. And you don't get the same kind of visibility that you used to get. I used to get sometimes a hundred people, 150 people within the first few hours, <laughs> liking and commenting and things like that on Instagram. Now, you know, you're lucky if you get 30 or 40. So it, that's a big shift and it's harder to monetize and, and track or what you're putting into it. It takes a lot of work. So um, Facebook's good. It's had some adjustments to the algorithms, but it, it's not as volatile <laughs> as the changes that they made with the Instagram stuff. And YouTube right now is the thing to watch. I'm going to be shifting more attention to YouTube in the future because they're getting ready, like TikTok, they're getting ready to start monetizing short form content as well as their long-term content. But with with YouTube, there's a longer life to videos. So if you made something a year ago, it's still going to pop up and people are going to see it where with something like TikTok, they kind of suppress Things very quickly, so things have a very short life on on TikTok, and you can't really monetize it as easily there. So a lot of artists are sort of starting to slow down with with TikTok. In the beginning, there was a lot of growth there. But uh, over time, we've all kind of seen one. It's not the higher market. It's a lot of kids. Uh, there are a lot of moms, but it, they're just there for entertainment purposes. They're, they're probably not your best buyers. So,
0: yeah, good point. Good point. Because I'd imagine somebody who has the time to be um, middling around with TikTok probably doesn't have the discretionary income to actually go out and purchase uh, something that's a higher end piece of art. So, but you are right though. I mean, just what you just described, that's a full-time job in itself to manage the marketing and the distribution and to attract new clients out there and, and you also are the artist. You have to come up with the creativity in up that process. I can't imagine. There's so many moving parts for you. It's, it's quite a bit. A lot.
1: It's a lot. And it takes a lot of discipline, you know, because it's easy to lose track of time and get caught in the weeds with producing content. And then, oh, I forgot to make work. <laughs> or finish the project, so it takes a lot of discipline to to sort of budget your time.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, and for for all the listeners and viewers, you have to go check out Amanda's Instagram page. The handle is at Amanda Robin Wood. And I got to say, I'm looking at some of these pictures of your of your pieces right here. They're fantastic. I can see why somebody would actually make that purchase just off of the site itself, off of looking at that image because uh, they're 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 fabulous. I mean, you could be if this doesn't work this artist side, you could definitely be a professional photographer because uh these items are really they're uh, they're fantastically displayed so i uh, should take a lot of, i know you have a lot of pride in your work and Thank i mean it really shows in these images so that, that's really of, good it's
1: a lot of trial and error <laughs> you find out what <laughs> you see uh, oh out. yeah yeah we go through that with that. cross-check
0: media so I, I definitely know what you mean
1: <laughs> right i don't usually just have like a sales page that people can buy directly from because my prices are sort of out of that immediate buy price range. And I like to connect with people more. So I tell people to message me if you're interested in a piece. Um, and I like the contact and the connection and talk to them a little bit about where the piece came from, where they are, why they want to buy it, that kind of thing. And then I get more of a relationship with them. I don't know. I, I it, The idea of just selling something cold off the Internet scares me a little bit because, I, you know, What if you miss something? (laughs) What if you don't see it? You don't ship the piece out in time. I I like the connection more with messaging people and getting to know them.
0: Yeah, and I can respect that because, uh, I mean, plus, let's be honest, though. I mean, you have a, your pieces are on the higher end. You're you're talking to higher end uh, investors that are clearly seasoned. They understand what they're doing. So it would kind of, if you just had a menu of prices, it might really devalue. And just the optics alone probably wouldn't look. I know personally, if I was dealing with something like that, I would just simply want to call you and find out what the price is and go from there. If I'm looking and see, oh, this is what I'm spending here, I'm probably going to be turning away anyhow. So I really want to know, you know, what, what that value is. I, I think that it, it adds an element of gravitas, I, I would think, with that velvet rope approach where it, there is an exclusive component to it. So I like your your way of doing it. Your your line of business is, is fantastic and it's fabulous. I, I want to talk just on one other, item here because we, we, and we touched on it a little bit in the, in the last block, but the fact that you have so many people that are leaving the auction houses and they seem to be moving forward, looking at the business side of art right now, do you, have you personally dealt with anybody who has said, look, I'm not going to deal with the galleries anymore. I want to get into the investment side of this. I want to help people actually invest in these pieces do you see that that migration a little bit where people are shifting away from the creativity or the creative aspect and more on the business side? Are you talking about artists themselves or art yeah, candidates? artists or anybody anybody in the industry? Because because what I saw yesterday was with a number of high profile executives leaving Sotheby's, they just focus entirely on the investment side, where they're really trying to direct client money, private client money, into finding collectibles and. And trying to then see the value of that and then pulling a fee off of what they're advising on and almost like masterworks where you have people that are actually investing in it only for the return on the investment not so much for the creative process of it do you see any artists have you talked to anybody where people said you know what i just don't want anything to do with the creative side because the business is just so big it's the gold rush right now of the arts market are people more moving into that business side or i mean you tell me if not, what you say? See
1: that so much but i do see a lot of art dealers around now like the, the numbers of art dealers are increasing in art reps
0: interesting now how do you become an art dealer i mean you got to have a rolodex of people right that's a that's a very uh finesse type of position
1: yeah yeah and see that's one of the reasons we love art galleries so much because they have access to that special rolodex too that would take an artist years and years to build on their own so but i we talked about this earlier i have a multi-prong approach and i recommend this to other artists too don't depend on just social media don't depend just on your website art fairs I do art fairs I do galleries I have the social media and I have my website and I have lots of different different ways of contacting people so that if my Facebook account gets hacked and they shut it down or I don't think Facebook's gonna go away anytime soon but TikTok might, you know. So you have to be in several different places in case one of those goes away. So it's important.
0: Yeah that makes a lot of sense and I'm sure from the publicity side doing any type of media interviews can only help. And I'm sure that you're probably open to, to doing other media interviews with other outlets right now. And I'm sure after they hear these, uh, the interviews from last week and then this week, I'm sure they'll be, uh, they'll be giving you a call, I'm sure, because you have so much to offer and so much insight, not just on the creative side, but also on the business side. I think that's that's something that's very special that like, what you have. So Amanda, any final words on maybe you have some great advice for someone who is just starting out, who really wants to get involved in the global fine arts market? Maybe they want to not just maybe look for the return on investment, but they're just a a collector. They're very passionate about this.
1: The important thing is, is to try to find somebody that's up and coming, what we call an emerging artist. Uh, you can talk to galleries. You can search your local newspapers and see who's making the news lately. Sometimes you can really sneak up on a great, great sale for you know a great piece for a small amount of money, and then slowly it will increase over time. But it will increase faster than if you spend a lot on a on a famous artist's work, and it goes up a little bit. Like if an emerging artist has the most potential for growth.
0: Emerging artists. That's right. And that would be, I would imagine, someone who is. Who's probably been a sculptor like yourself, but only maybe has a, a year or two, I would guess, or they're almost an amateur and they're just going into that professional stage. That might be an opportunity. Whereas the investors also starting out might be work. It might be good to work in tandem with someone. I, I think that's what you're saying. Been doing
1: it a little bit longer because the, rec- the recommendations are from the experts. Is you want to make sure you're not investing in just a flash in the pan. Somebody that does it for a little while and then goes, "Ooh, this is really hard. I'm just going to go." Do do something else now. So if you find someone that's been doing it for five to ten years and hasn't really made it big, but they're consistently working, consistently producing for those years, that's really the sweet spot of what you want to look for. And even looking at universities, sometimes they have exhibitions from the graduating students. That's a great place to find new talent.
0: That's a brilliant idea. I didn't even think of that. Because you could get somebody who is really you want to find that that new, they're not, it's not just lightning in a bottle. I mean, there's going to be some longevity to that that individual's career as an artist. So uh, that, that's fascinating. That's great. Yeah, I would I would think that that would be the right idea. I know me personally, I am definitely going to go and really investigate this further because I like to go and visit these galleries and, and just see what's happening. I mean, normally I would just go just for the wine and cheese, but um, this might be an opportunity to actually see what's really happening. So, and plus f- so you'll meet some fascinating people like yourself. And there are some great business
1: people there. Like usually, the city's fashionable and successful business people are Hanging out at the galleries. So it's kind of one of those places to be seen. So you could meet some very interesting connections there.
0: I love that. That's wonderful. That's great news. Well, that is that's fantastic advice for for everyone out there. And I know a lot of our listeners and viewers will get a lot out of that knowledge. So uh, so that's super. So all right, so that's super. We'll leave it there then. And until next time. So on behalf of Amanda Robin Wood, I am Todd Schoenberger. We like to thank everyone for listening and watching us now on Buy Hold Sell special report about the global fine Art. Take care.
1: Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management.
0: Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called